Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of November 12th. In the news, Azerbaijani forces place customs checkpoints on the portion of the Goriskapan Highway that now runs through Azerbaijani-controlled territory. A second Armenian civilian in Artsakh is killed and three others wounded by Azerbaijani forces. This week marked one year since the November 9 trilateral statement that ended the 2020 Artsakh war. At midnight on November 10, Azerbaijani forces placed customs checkpoints on the 20-kilometer stretch of the Gorizhapan Highway that now runs through Azerbaijani-controlled territory. Armenia Security Council Secretary Armen Grigoryan made the announcement that evening during an interview with Armenia's public TV. Grigoryan said that the alternative Datev Avani Road is ready to serve all types of transportation. Earlier that day, the Minister of Territorial Administration and Infrastructure, Gunel Sanosian, had also also announced that the alternative road was ready, adding that new roads are also being built in the communities of Shurnuk, Borodan and Barzavan. The day after Grigorian's announcement, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan stated during the government session that since the government was notified about the checkpoints by Azerbaijan, Armenians have been directed to use this alternative Dativ Akhvani road. Pashinyan went on to say that he is aware that people will ask, was it not possible to negotiate so that no border controls were exercised over Armenian citizens and cargo? He said that it was possible, but it would come at a heavy price and that logic would entail a corridor, something that is unacceptable to the Armenian side. As we've reported in the past, Baku has been insisting on a sovereign corridor linking Azerbaijan with its exclave Nakhichevan. After the government session, Armen Grigorian told reporters that Armenia will also install checkpoints on the highway. He also stated that Azerbaijan was manipulating the situation and it was demanding a corridor to Nakhichevan, as Pashinyan has said. Um, it was also stressed that the checkpoints that Azerbaijan has installed are not on the territory of Armenia, but in Ayvazli, which is uh, under Azerbaijani control. As a reminder, Azerbaijani forces set up a checkpoint there at the same place, uh, right on that stretch of the highway back in the beginning of September, on September 12th to be precise, um, to tax Iranian commercial trucks transporting cargo to and from Armenia. Two Iranian truck drivers had been uh, arrested. They were charging uh, you know, uh, large amounts, and this had become a point of contention. And now clearly Armenians uh, who will use that road, if they use that road and they won't, uh, would also have to go through uh, Azerbaijani uh, custom uh, border points. And uh, Pashinyan during the government session was also saying that Iranian trucks will also pass through the new road and not be using yeah, that stretch of the right, road. Right, but so they're saying that certain parts of the road are still quite narrow, but that there are police traffic police that are uh, stationed to help um, direct traffic, especially in the valleys and on sharp turns. And while the government session was in progress on November 11, people gathered near the government building to protest the Azerbaijani checkpoints. Parliamentarians from the opposition factions were also present. They voiced concerns that the alternative Datev Ahvani Road is not a solution, as the villages of Shurnuk, Borodan, and Barzavan are essentially isolated, and they currently do not have proper access to the alternative roads. The government responded to this, saying that there are these alternative roads to these villages are going to be also finished soon. Right, but it's not clear how long that will take. And in the meantime, 
connecting them with the rest of Sunik becomes problematic because there's these dirt roads that they have to use. So, um, but at least they they have come or they are saying that there's going to be some solution to that. Well, during that protest, clashes erupted between uh, police and protesters. Um, when protesters tried to get closer to the government building, they also tried to block traffic uh, at Republic Square. However, they were prevented by police. Over 30 people were detained. And the government also decided to allocate 49 million drums to the airport in Rapan to start the operations. It is expected that the Yerevan Rapan Yerevan flights will start operating in January of 2022 twice a week. The deputy mayor of Goris, Karen Kocharian, told Sputnik Armenia this week that Azerbaijani armed forces tried to advance near Sevlich uh, on November 9. However, meeting resistance from Armenian military forces, they were forced to retreat. He also said that there has been no sort of exchange of gunfire and that the Armenian side was able to improve its position. Now, just to make clear that this is just what the mayor is saying, this is not official news. And what we know is that there was some movement of troops near Sevlich. In fact, the Azerbaijan side was claiming that their forces had surrounded 60 Armenian servicemen who were allegedly trying to take control of a section of the road under Azerbaijani control. The Armenian side is saying that uh, no such thing happened, but the Armenian forces were able to push back Azerbaijani provocations, and the situation was resolved thanks to the involvement of the Russian peacekeepers. So we just know that there was some form of an altercation happened there, and the Russian peacekeepers got involved. While Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev was visiting Shushi to mark the first anniversary of the end of the 2020 Artsakh war, Azerbaijani soldiers opened fire on four Armenians from Artsakh who were repairing water pipes on the section of the road um, to Stepanagert that passes you know, right under Shushi. One of the civilians died and the other three were wounded. They were transferred to hospital. The next day, Russia's Ministry of Defense confirmed the incident, stating that the Russian peacekeeping mission is investigating the incident together with uh, both sides. And the Armenian Ministry of Foreign Affairs condemned Azerbaijan's violation of its obligations under the November 9th statement, claiming that the constant violations of the ceasefire regime and the state-sponsored anti-Armenian rhetoric proved that Baku's claims about wanting to normalize relations with Armenia uh, are just empty talk. And another proof of this, while in Shushi, Aliyev announced that if any force in Armenia shows revanchist uh, sentiments, they will meet the fist of Azerbaijan. The U.S. State Department condemned the violence, which resulted in the death uh, of the Armenian civilian, um, and simply urged Armenia and Azerbaijan to intensify their engagement, including through the Minsk Group co-chairs, to resolve all outstanding issues relating to or resulting from the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. And just a day after the incident in Shushi, Azerbaijani armed forces targeted a farmer in the village of Khachik. This is in Armenia's Vyotzo region, while he was driving his tractor. The farmer was able to take shelter and was not wounded, but the shooting damaged the truck tractor. The incident was again reported to the Russian peacekeeping mission. Armenia's foreign minister, Ararat Mirzoyan, met his Azerbaijani counterpart, Jehun Bayramov, in Paris this week. This is the third time the two ministers have met. With the mediation and participation of the OSCE Minsk Group co-chairs, Mirzoyan stated the official position of the Armenian side, which is to resume the Nagorno-Karabakh peace process under the auspices of the Minsk Group, the urgency to de-escalate the situation and solve humanitarian issues, as well as um, the inadmissibility of Azerbaijani provocations and their continued anti-Armenian rhetoric.
Arat Mirzoyan also held a separate meeting with the men's group co-chairs where he underscored the importance of a regional visit by the co-chairs to get acquainted with the situation on the ground. Mirzoyan also condemned Azerbaijani attacks on Armenian civilians. To date, two Armenian civilians have been killed. Following the meeting of the foreign ministers, the OSC Minsk Group co-chairs issued a joint statement urging both sides to refrain from provocative actions and rhetoric. While in Paris, Mirzoyan also met uh, with the French foreign minister, uh, Jean-Yves Le Drian. The two ministers discussed regional issues as well as Armenian-French relations. During his trip, Mirzoyan also participated in the 41st session of the UNESCO General Conference. During his speech, he noted that for over a year, Armenia has been alerting UNESCO that Armenian heritage under Azerbaijani control is endangered, and although the UNESCO Director General has put efforts into sending an independent technical mission to Nagorno-Karabakh, Azerbaijan has blocked those efforts. November 9 marked the first anniversary of the trilateral statement mediated by Russia and signed by Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Russia that ended the 2020 Artsakh War. Armenia's foreign ministry issued a statement noting that Azerbaijan's constant violations of the ceasefire and its anti-Armenian rhetoric cannot set the basis or the foundations for solving the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. The MFA went on to note that only the full implementation of the November 9 statement and the January 11 statement, as well as the full resumption of the peace process under the mandate of the OSC Minsk Group co-chairmanship, uh, can create conditions for ensuring lasting peace and stability in the region. The Foreign Ministry of Artsakh also issued a statement on November 9, saying that Artsakh will never be part of Azerbaijan and that the settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, as well as ensuring long-lasting peace in the region, is only possible through the implementation of the rights of self-determination of the people of Artsakh and the deoccupation of the territories where the people of Artsakh established their statehood. On this occasion, a statements were also made by the United States, uh, Russia, and the European Union. In a statement issued by the United States State Department, um, it says, it reads, we call for the return of all remaining detainees, a full accounting of missing persons, the voluntary return of displaced persons to their homes, comprehensive humanitarian demining of conflict-affected areas, and access by international humanitarian organizations to those in need. We also call for an investigation into alleged human rights abuse and violations of international humanitarian law. Russia's foreign ministry announced that the tripartite working group has reached an agreement that all transportation routes will operate under the sovereignty of the country through which they pass. It also stated that Russia does not pursue a monopoly in relations with Armenia and Azerbaijan and also supports the use of the potential the international community can offer to settle regional issues. In an earlier statement, the Russian MFA had or remarked that the potential of the OSE Minsk group is not obsolete and that the and that Russia is ready to cooperate within the framework. EU spokesperson Peter Stano also released a statement noting that although hostilities stopped, many pending issues still remain. Thus, the EU calls on strictly observing the ceasefire, releasing all remaining prisoners, demining border areas, and de-escalating the tension in border areas. And immediate regional neighbors Iran and Turkey congratulated Azerbaijan on its victory in the 2020 Artsakh War. In a statement, official Ankara stated that the victory not only ended the occupation of Azerbaijani territories, but also paved the for lasting peace, stability, and cooperation in the region, while Iran's MFA announced that 
During the last 30 years, Iran has always supported Azerbaijan's territorial integrity. Turkey's defense minister urged Armenia to join the 3 plus 3 regional cooperation formats during his visits to Baku to participate in the celebrations dedicated to Azerbaijan's victory, claiming that Armenia must use the historical chance and respond to peace offers coming from Azerbaijan and Turkey. Russia's foreign ministry representative Maria Zakharova stated during a weekly briefing on November 10 that it is time to implement the 3 plus 3 format, claiming that the letter benefits all parties involved. And just a reminder of what 3 plus 3 means. It's the three countries of the South Caucasus, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and uh, Georgia, plus the three regional powers, Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And this is something that both Turkey and Azerbaijan uh, have been supporting. And speaking of Turkey, on November 10, the Grand National Assembly of Turkey decided to prolong the presence of Turkish armed forces for another year. Um, you know, they are part of the Russian-Turkish Joint Observation Center in Azerbaijan. Um, so they will continue to remain there. Also on the eve of the first anniversary of the November 9 ceasefire agreement, Armenia's Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan spoke about the reasons why the Armenian side lost the 2020 Artsakh war and the demarcation and delimitation process, among other things, in an interview with Armenian Public TV's Petros Khazarian. Speaking about the army, Pashinyan mentioned that during the last three decades, it has been a closed institution with no public oversight, while issues were raised from time to time regarding shortcomings and abuses of power in the military, according to Pashinyan, those were just the tip of the iceberg. He stated that the army building processes have failed as Armenia's military capacity was not ready to face the challenges when the war broke out. Pashinyan mentioned that for many years Armenia's reserve forces were not trained. It is also not known how the military budget was formed and what expenditures were made. According to Pashinyan, there are also issues that the special part parliamentary committee set up to investigate the reasons for Armenia's defeat still has to answer. Speaking about the demarcation process, Pashinyan noted that it must be based on the maps from the 1920s, uh, as all other maps from later periods uh, simply derive from those. He also stated that besides discussing the maps, it is also important to examine the legal grounds on which demarcation was carried out between Armenia and Azerbaijan during the Soviet era. As Pashinyan stated, without examining the legal basis of demarcation, the maps are, are basically useless. Well, he also said that it is difficult to imagine carrying out a demarcation and delimitation process uh, on a border which is constantly being violated and in an environment where the ceasefire is not being observed. He noted that the demarcation and delimitation processes are important for Armenia and it is ready to start talks. However, necessary conditions must be met. And we usually don't report on things that haven't happened or there's a lot of hearsay, but because there was a lot of talk about this, you know, since Last week, there has been a lot of discussion in the media that a meeting is going to take place among the three leaders of uh, Russia, uh, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. Vladimir Putin's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov, confirmed on November 8 that an online meeting is indeed being planned. However, no dates have been set yet. Armenia's Minister of Defense, Ashak Garabetyan, visited Artsakh on November 6, where he participated in a meeting of the Defense Army leadership and visited military positions. Baku condemned Garabetyan's visit to Artsakh, calling the minister's meeting with the uh, this is in quotation marks, illegal military groups, uh, a political provocation from the Armenian side. Azerbaijan also stated that the visit is a violation of the November 9 agreement. 
And after the visit to Artsakh, Garabedian traveled to Moscow on November 9 to participate in the regular session of defense ministers of CIS member states. Various cooperation projects in the military field were discussed during the session. Also this week, Armenia's opposition, Armenia Alliance, organized a rally on November 8, the day before the anniversary of the November 9 statement, aimed at stopping what they said, um, you know, stopping the government from signing any agreement with Azerbaijan, which would harm Armenia's interests. Again, because there was a lot of discussion that on November 9, the three countries were going to be signing a new agreement. Armenia Alliance leader and Armenia's second president, Robert Kocharian, blamed the current government for failing the negotiation process, claiming that after Armenia's victory in the first Nagorno-Karabakh war, Armenia was negotiating from a position of strength and that now we are in a different situation. Kocharian also spoke about the domestic political economic situation and the fight against the pandemic. He urged those gathered to mobilize and fight against the government, claiming that within weeks or months the government can be overthrown. This is exactly the same words, the same narrative as before the election. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, I just had a, a deja yeah, vu yeah, deja vu over here. Well, Arzun Hovanisian, a former spokesperson of the Armenian Defense Ministry and the special representative of the military during the ni- 2020 Artsakh War, was appointed as an expert for the Parliamentary Standing Commission on Defense and Security on November 9th. And on that same day, Pashinyan spokesperson Maneke Borkian announced her resignation. She was uh, Pashinyan's fourth speaker. And in other news, on November 9, the House of Commons of the British Parliament unanimously adopted a bill on the recognition of the Armenian genocide in the first reading of the document. The second reading will take place in March of 2022, and if adopted during the second reading, it will then be sent to the House of Lords. If the House of Lords also approves the bill, it will enter into force and uh, on the same day which is quite telling right i mean also the timing right Uh, On November 9, opposition factions of the Israeli Knesset also presented a bill on recognizing the Armenian Genocide and marking April 24 as an annual Memorial Day. This is not the first time that a bill on recognizing the Armenian Genocide is being presented in uh, Israeli uh, parliament. And now to the COVID-19 updates. The number of daily infections has decreased from over 2,000 to over 1,000 a day. However, the number of daily deaths remains high with 70 deaths registered on November 12 alone. Over 28,000 people are being treated for COVID at the moment in Armenia. Around 30% of the population has received uh, their first dose of the vaccine, and only 9% of Armenia's population is fully vaccinated. Armenia also received another 60,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine from uh, the Slovakian government this week. And in more positive news, Time magazine recognized the Armenian Robin the Robot as one of the best 100 inventions of 2021. The robot talks and plays games with patients and is designed to ease anxiety and loneliness among children in hospitals. Robin the Robot is currently being used in 12 facilities worldwide and is said to be used in 100 facilities in the U.S. And you interviewed the inventor. And yes, the I did. It was fascinating and actually i think i talked about this before my grandkids actually interacted with robin the robot at a medical clinic here and they were just thrilled with him um, or her they used the name robin so that we couldn't i you know it was sort of genderless and so yeah congratulations to the team uh, at robin the robot and that's the kind of week we've had here in armenia thank you for listening have a good weekend and we will be back again next week